Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 667. Well, it's not exactly spring yet. Nine days of official winter still to go, but we do have an official sign of spring kind of today. In case you missed it, it's the first day of... Daylight saving time. Meanwhile, down in Antarctica, which is enjoying about 17 hours of daylight today, there are some... Birds in the news. Yeah, this is pretty incredible. Researchers have reportedly discovered a previously unknown super colony of more than 1.5 million daily penguins in the Antarctic Peninsula. Findings published in the journal Scientific Reports on Friday concern a remote archipelago called the Danger Islands. Research using satellite imagery was led by a team from the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution on Cape Cod. Uh, We'll put up a link to the Boston Globe's report on that story on our Talking Birds Facebook page. Well, happy birthday three days early to the National Wildlife Refuge System, which turns 115 years old this week. It was on the 14th of March in 1903 when President Theodore Roosevelt established Pelican Island in the Indian River Lagoon in Florida as the country's first federal bird reservation with the goal of protecting brown pelicans from poachers an action that was prompted by the Florida Audubon Society, and Frank Chapman, he of Christmas Bird Count fame. Lots of events are planned, by the way, in connection with this milestone. You can check with your nearest National Wildlife Refuge to see what they might be doing to celebrate. Well, here in our home state of Massachusetts, we have some wonderful National Wildlife Refuges and lots of other places that provide habitat for many species of birds and other wild creatures. And Talking Birds listeners, uh, here in the Bay State, we have uh, we have a, a special message for you. It's a request, really, uh, to support the National Heritage Endangered Species Program that helps protect hundreds of animal species in the natural communities that make up their habitats. And right now, in this season of <clears throat> taxes... Here's how you can help. Just make a donation in any amount that works for you when you file your Massachusetts state income tax by entering that amount on line 33A, Endangered Wildlife Conservation. Every amount will help conserve wildlife and wild places in the state. Again, it's line 33A, Endangered Wildlife Conservation, if you're here in Massachusetts. Hey, we'd like to congratulate our newest swag winner in our Make Your Own Swag contest uh, here on Talking Birds. And our winner is Dave Weth in Normal, Illinois. Round of applause for Dave. Can we... Wait a second. There it is. All right. 
we uh, we just love this photo of Dave scanning a wetland with his binoculars and with a talking bird's patch boldly displayed on his backpack. Dave tells us that his daughter took the photo while they were looking for ducks at his favorite birding area near his home. Nice spot, Dave. Check out the photo on our Facebook page. We'll be sending Dave an awesome book from the Talking Birds Awesome Book Library. And he's eligible, as is everyone who sends us a swag photo, for the grand prize, a Celestron Hummingbird Micro Spotting Scope. If you'd like a patch, just request one by email to ray at talkingbirds.com. And we'll send you one or several if you like as soon as our new batch arrives in a couple of days along with complete contest instructions. Entry deadline is April 15th. That sounds like one of those car alarms from back in the 80s or whatever, right? That's not what it is, though. That's actually our mystery bird there kind of sounding off. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest. Uh, We'll kind of give the signal to call a little bit later in the program, but we wanted to get you ready for it. Our mystery bird is a small shorebird That's a shorebird with a short neck, a fairly long bill, fairly long legs, and a short neck. I think I said a short neck twice. That's a pretty short neck there. It's a grayish-brown bird on the back, blackish on the rump and tail, and has a light, mostly unmarked chest and belly. And it has short webbing between the toes. Hard to see, but good material for a hint. Our bird forages along the shoreline, mostly on mudflats and mostly for insects. So that's a preview, and our prize, well, we have three prizes. First, the Droll Yankees original, iconic A6F classic tube feeder, plus from Audubon Park, an assorted bird bells four-pack, Audubon Park wild bird food, plus the LarkWire app for iOS, or you can get uh, the online version. So those are our prizes on our mystery bird contest. Somebody check that car. I believe it's being stolen in the parking lot there. But that's our mystery bird. We'll do our contest in just a little bit. Meanwhile, we have some big thank yous uh, to offer this morning to five new Talking Birds ambassadors spreading the word about our show, including Isaac Kagan from Oceanside, New York. They're on the southern shore of Long Island. Thank you so much, Isaac. Thank you to Lori from Wakefield, Rhode Island. She says her husband and she are avid listeners, so thank you so much. And J.D. from Oakland, California. Thank you, J.D. He has some featured feathered friend ideas for us, he says, and we'll be looking forward to hearing about them. Thank you to Nancy from Waltham, Massachusetts, on the banks of the River Charles, once known for its dirty water but celebrated now as the cleanest urban river in America. That's really true. And thank you to Dan Luckman from Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. He says, I just recently began listening to your podcast, still fairly new to birding. Listening to your show has added to the experience of birding. By the way, we learned that Dan is head chef at the Social Pub in downtown Peterborough. And it occurred to us that we don't have an official chef. So we asked Dan if he'd like to assume that title. And he said, yes. So Chef Dan Luckman is hereby declared to be the Talking Birds radio program official chef. We haven't figured out exactly what he would do as official chef, but we'll think of something. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our Talking Birds ambassadors program. Hand out some info cards to your friends and associates 
spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. Easy to do, uh, easy to sign up for. Just go to TalkingBirds.com, click on the contact button, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk to a man who probably knows as much about Canada's boreal forest as anybody on the planet. Boreal Songbird Initiative Science and Policy Director, Dr. Jeff Wells. Also, as we do each week, we'll catch up on our, with our man, Mike O'Connor, in our Let's Ask Mike segment from the Birdwatcher's General Store, Cape Cod. And up next, a bird with a rosy breast and an operatic voice is our featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Rambling. Rose-breasted grosbeak, our featured feathered friend, rambles up here into the northeast in the spring from its wintering grounds in the Caribbean and southern Mexico and Central America and northern South America and building a nest of sticks and twigs and grasses and trees and shrubs and vines. The male rose-breasted grosbeak is a striking bird indeed with his black hood, white belly, heavy pinkish-white bill, and rosy-red chest. The female's a somewhat drab brown-and-white bird with lots of stripes, looking like a large sparrow or finch. Our friend is a medium-sized, stocky, perching bird whose song has been described as sounding like that of a robin as performed by an opera singer, like this. Beautiful sound, beautiful bird, the rose-breasted grosbeak. Today's featured feathered friend here on Talking Birds. Thanks again for being with us here on our show, number 667. Dr. Jeff Wells is the senior scientist for the Boreal Songbird Initiative and International Boreal Conservation Campaign. He's here in Massachusetts today where he'll be making a presentation this afternoon at the Mass Audubon Birders Meeting which is open to the public, by the way, and taking place at the beautiful Harborside campus of UMass Boston. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Ray. Uh, welcome uh, back to Massachusetts, Jeff. Great to have you uh, on the show with us again. And the topic of your presentation today is the Boreal, America's last great conservation opportunity. Give us an overview, if you would, Jeff, of just what and where the Boreal Forest is, for those who may not be familiar, and why it is... America's last great conservation opportunity. Sure, yeah. Um, the boreal forest is sort of this uh, green blanket that extends across the continent, sandwiched between the Arctic and the prairies in the west and the sort of temperate forest in the east, and then extends from interior Alaska across uh, Yukon, Northwest Territories, northern British Columbia, and then uh, across north of the the prairies in um, western Canada and um, and dipping a bit south into Ontario, um, Quebec, and all the way to, to Newfoundland and Labrador, and sort of with bits of boreal habitat that extend down into places like the Adirondacks in New York, northern mm. Minnesota, and of course northern New England. Um, and the boreal is particularly unique and special in that it is one of 
what I sometimes call um, the family of five, the last five areas on planet Earth um, where there are still large areas of intact primary forests that have never been cut over, never been cleared. Um, you know, so the areas in the history of human civilization um, that still uh, have been more or less untouched by uh, large-scale industrial um, development on, on the landscape. And the boreal forest actually accounts for about 25% of the world's intact forest, and it's one of the largest areas along with the Amazon and the Russian boreal where this still happens. And yet it's sort of kind of been ignored by most most people. Um, you know, it's sort of this big place north of us that we don't think of, but yet it's one of the last very large intact areas left um, in, in human history. And so the question is, what are we going to do with it? Um, I'm going to be talking about uh, particularly the birds that come and go from the boreal forest, uh, which are an amazing component of, of what we see uh, down here in the States. We'll give the uh, website, by the way, uh, for the Boreal Songbird Initiative and the conservation campaign uh, when we wrap up here in a, in a couple of minutes. But, uh, Jeff, let's uh, shift gears here uh, pretty dr- drastically. Talk a bit about the new book that you've co-authored with your wife, Allison Childs-Welds, about an area that's very different from the Boreal Forest. Uh, the ABC Islands, as they're sometimes called, Aruba, Bonaire, and Curaçao down in the Caribbean. And Jeff, one of the things I really like about the book, in addition to the wonderful illustrations there by Robert Dean, is the fact that as it's described right on the cover, it's a site and field guide. So you're not only showing what birds can be found on those islands, but also where to find them, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things we're particularly proud of. Um, we sort of think of it as uh, four books in one, if you will, and, um, you know, even uh, many of the modern field guides that are out there kind of only do lip service to uh, a site guide. You know, that usually if you really want to get the detailed kind of information to find your way with maps and a lot of information about, um, you know, uh, birding sites, you typically have to go to a different book. But we were able to work with a publisher and find a way to roll all those into one. So we have an extensive site guide. Uh, in the book for each of those three islands, which are islands sort of just off the Venezuelan coast, very, very popular with uh, many um, U.S. tourists, uh, millions that are going down to those islands in the winter months in particular. Um, And so, yeah, we were able to include really uh, detailed maps, directions, photos, and then have a separate uh, section uh, that's a traditional field guide and uh, and very detailed status information, as well as a whole set of chapters on um, an introduction to the islands, the ecology, and um, very proud to have a separate, um, very detailed conservation section, which is something you you pretty rarely see in field guides as far as a, you know details about about conservation. So yeah, we're we're very excited and pleased to see. Um, uh, our publisher be willing to to kind of go out on a limb a little bit and put all of that into one single book. Mm. That is wonderful. I I hope uh, you know the, the the inclusion of the of the conservation ideas. I I hope that uh, will catch on, Jeff, with uh, with other other books, other publishers. The book is Birds of Aruba, Bonaire, Curacao. It's a site and 
field guide, and it is a beauty. And Jeff, before you go, I know you don't live in Canada, but you are inextricably linked to the forest there, the boreal forest and its birds. And I wondered if you'd want to weigh in on on the big debate that continues to rage about Canada's national bird. Uh, as I understand it, still officially there isn't one. And from what I've read, maybe there won't be one anytime soon. Yeah, the the Canadian Geographic Society kind of pushed a campaign to try to um, get a, a national bird for Canada. And over a year or so, they had lots of debate and discussions about it. And, of course, the suite of potential birds is, is quite uh, vast, really. Um, you know, the boreal forest has about one to three billion birds that nest in it. Uh, which is why, you know, we talk about it as North America's great bird nursery. Mm. The birds that we see in winter in migration are largely coming from the boreal forest as they're sort of streaming in migration north and south, uh, back and forth to the boreal. So you have all those migratory birds, and then you have birds that um, stay there all year round. And so there's been sort of a, um, you know, a question about which type of bird, you know, common loons, you know, people think of as the sign of the wilderness in places like Canada. They migrate out, of course, in the winter and come down to our coasts. Um, and then, you know, there's people who uh, really like the, an idea like the, the gray jay, you know, which um, stays there all year round. I've always been sort of a proponent of the, the gray jay idea. But, you know, when I was younger in, uh, in my Peterson, I think it was described as the Canada jay. You know, and many mm. people still think of it that way. Um, and one of the things that's particularly interesting about the, the gray jay or the Canada jay is um, some people have heard um, the term whiskey jack used for it. You know, I used to hear that growing up in Maine, you know, people who were not really birders, but, you know, would sort of say, oh, the, yeah, whiskey jack, that's, that's the gray jay. Well, the whiskey jack, that term actually comes uh, from an uh, indigenous name, which is uh, people couldn't figure out Europeans how to say it. And so they sort of changed it to whiskey jack, but it's a version of whiskey jack or something like that. And uh, many of the legends across uh, indigenous people of the north have stories about the whiskey jack um, or versions of that name, um, very important to the indigenous people uh, in their stories uh, over the thousands of years that they've inhabited it. So there's something you know very special and Canadian to me about the the, the gray jay that's sort of you know intertwined with indigenous uh, cultures, you know, that are at the heart of of the northern Canada um, experience. So I kind of always, I'm still a proponent of that idea, and we'll see if uh, at some point the government comes around and says, well, let's make a national bird, but yeah. uh, right now it's still on hold. I know the Whiskey Jack sounds like a no-brainer to me. I, I don't know. We can, we can hear him sounding off there in the background, Jeff. I don't know if you can hear that. Beautiful. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Dr. Jeff Wells is the senior scientist for the Boreal Songbird Initiative and International Boreal Conservation Campaign. If you're here in eastern Massachusetts, you have plenty of time to get over to the Mass Audubon Birders Meeting taking all the great bird-related things to see there, including Jeff's presentation at 3.45 this afternoon. And here's that website we alluded to earlier, borealbirds.org. That's borealbirds.org. Definitely worth uh, checking out and learning about. Jeff, thanks for being with us. I look forward to hearing your talk this afternoon. Okay. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate it. Dr. Jeff Wells here on Talking Birds, where the Mystery Bird Contest is coming up in just one minute.
Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. Hi, this is Dave from Lancaster, New Hampshire. I've been listening to Talking Birds for the past two years or so. I became an ambassador because I wanted others to understand what a great program this is. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join Dave and become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. Our Mystery Bird Contest is sponsored by Audubon Park Wild Bird Food. Look for Audubon Park next time you're buying food for your backyard birds. You're eligible on our Mystery Bird Contest to win, that is. If you haven't been a winner here in the last six months, uh, pretty easy to do. We'll give you the number here in just a second. Don't forget, you can hear our show live. We do it Sunday mornings, 9.30 to 10 Eastern. It would be daylight time today. Um, yeah, so that's when it's on live. And so just with an online connection, you can hear us just about any place at all. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Here's our mystery bird. A small shorebird with a short neck, fairly long bill, fairly long legs, grayish-brown on the back, blackish on the rump and tail, a light, mostly unmarked chest and belly, and it has webbing between the toes. Hard to see, but a good hint, maybe. 781-837-4900, the number. We have a Droll Yankees classic tube feeder, uh, an assorted bird, bird bells pack, four-pack from Audubon Park, and a LarkWire app download for iOS or an online version. Those would be um, the uh, prizes uh, there for a mystery bird. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. It ain't easy being wild. People try to help birds, but they don't always know the best way. Well, the folks at Audubon Park Wild Bird Food can help with their bird feeding do's and don'ts. Great tips on attracting and feeding birds and helping them survive and thrive. Audubon Park is celebrating 60 years as a family-owned business providing food safety certified products. Find Audubon Park's bird feeding do's and don'ts at audubonpark.com. That's audubonpark.com. And click on Better for Birds. Now a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your backyard or far afield, you'll find information in every issue to help you find, attract, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Mike O'Connor is down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, where he's trying to convince people that little birds really can eat big seeds. At least I think that's what you're trying to do down there. Mike, good morning. Yep, that's what I do every day. But first of all, I want to <laughs> congratulate you on getting your official chef. I, that's long overdue, man. That's I know, going to separate believe... you from all the other radio shows. Right, I... yeah. How come we never thought of that before? I don't know. It's like a natural occurrence, I think. It does, like... yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I think uh, Dan is probably going to send us some food. I mean, he is the chef. I mean, yeah. wouldn't that be part of the deal? I think <laughs> you better. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. That's where we should start anyway. <laughs> 
And speaking of eating, yeah, yeah. Right, you know, all day long folks come in and they want to get a bird feeder. And they ask me what seed, and I say the same thing every time. You know, sunflower seeds will get you the most birds, and they always, I stop them in their tracks. I go, no, 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 <laughs> we want to get the little birds. Yeah. And they can't seem to wrap their head around that. The little birds like the big sunflower seeds as well. They've got more nutrition, more energy than the swallow seeds, but they can't figure out how they open them. And basically, the chickadees, which probably will come first, they have no trouble. They grab the seed. And because they're chickadees, they don't hang around the feeder. Mm. They take off and they go off in the bushes and, and then they put it between their paws or their claws, uh, not paws, and they just hammer them open, bang, 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 they get the shell off and then they take the little pieces of the sunflower seed and they eat them and people don't see that often because the birds take off, but that's how they do it. And then when the nuthatches come in, they'll grab the seed and go, but because nuthatches' feet are long, you know, they look like they're on, like, skis almost because their feet are so long, they can't do the same thing. Mm. So what a nuthatch will do is fly off and go to a, a crevice in a tree or under a piece of bark and jam the, the seed in there. And then, again, hack it open or hatch it open, and it's the name nuthatch, which is which that name yeah. comes from. So they open it. And meanwhile, the finches, they... These other two birds, chickadees and nuthatches, uh, omnivorous. They eat seeds, but they also eat a lot of insects. So their beaks are thin for grabbing insects. Finches are mostly vegetarians, so they're just built for seeds. So when they land on the feeder, they don't have to fly back and forth. They just snap them open. Their bills are hard and kind of cone-shaped, got some tough edges on the side, mm. and they snap them right open and eat them right on the spot. So those are the birds that like the big seeds. And so if you want, there are a few birds that like the small millet, but those are mostly ground feeders like juncos and sparrows. And if you have a little millet, you can sprinkle that on the ground. But if you're doing a bird feeder, sunflower is the way to go, man. Sunflower it is. Black oil, right? Black oil. And let me know when that food comes in. I'll be over. I will share. (laughs) Thank you, Mike. Okay, talk next week. Mike O'Connor there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Poaching is a major threat to our country's wildlife. I'm Tom Barry, and I'm an actor reaching out with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, which works with private landowners to protect wildlife, preserve natural habitats, and create permanent sanctuaries. To learn more, call 800-729-SAVE or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. We're back here now at the Mystery Bird Contest trying to identify this uh, wild-sounding bird. Uh, we have some callers from all around today. We have uh, Rockland, Mass., Corvallis, Oregon. And our first caller here is from Trevor, uh, who is in Portsmouth, Rhode Island. Uh, good morning, Trevor. Good morning. Good morning. Nice nice to hear from you down there in uh, beautiful Portsmouth, kind of close to uh, Newport, right? Very close, yes. Do they still hand out a lot of speeding tickets along that route there? I remember that for years ago. No, we wait for the summertime for the tourists, okay. but not in the winter. <laughs> Just in the summer. Why didn't we think of that? All right, well, uh, uh, Trevor, what do you think on the mystery bird contest? I'm guessing the semi-palmated sandpiper. And Tim is giving me that look that says, you got it. Yeah, yeah, get the thumbs up and everything. Semi-palmated Sandpiper is correct. That little bit of webbing between the toes is, uh, as we said, not easy to see, but uh, easy to uh, well, a good a good clue. But uh, anyway, nice uh, nice job on that, uh, Trevor. And thank you for calling in. And uh, we'll be sending all that nice stuff right out to you. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, Trevor. Down in Portsmouth, Rhode Island, with the correct answer, identifying our 
Mystery Bird as the semi-palmated sandpiper. These are some serious migrators, by the way. Eastern populations, we're told, are, are believed to undertake nonstop transoceanic flights of three to 4,000 kilometers. That's up to 2,500 miles from New England and southern Canada to South America, powered by extensive fat reserves. They fatten themselves up to have the energy to make those amazing trips. We're about out of time for our show this morning. Next week, the great Bruce Beeler, ornithologist, naturalist, lecturer, Smithsonian Museum of Natural History Research Associate, and author of numerous books, including his latest, North on the Wing, Travels with the Songbird Migration of Spring, will be our special guest right here in Talking Birds next week. Please visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talking Birds. And thanks to Mark Duffield and Debbie Bleacher and our engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Or Lean's Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com.